recording and just go with it. Go with the flow, people. We're in a flow. Yeah, we and, are. The flowing yeah. is good. The flowing is good. After hiatus, we come in, be presentus for you. Yeah. For good you. evening, everybody here. Hi. Is Scuba and Arai, your weekly dose of conversations about movies, entertainment, and whatever else is happening in life. Yes. And uh, of course, Scuba, that's Rai. The Rai guy. Somewhere over here. Yep, doing my things. There. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we took a week off because I had to go travel out to Missouri to visit family. Uh, my son was graduating uh, boot camp, so yes. I went out to support him. Yep. Congrats to the new Army recruit person. Yeah. And if you're watching this on video, it looks like my camera is doing the sluggish thing. So. Sluggish, but we are in slow mode. I'm in slow mode. I don't know who's in slow mode. I'm always slow in some capacity. Not when I'm driving, though. So if you think I drive slow, I don't. I drive at my pace. All and right. that is fast. That's a little bit better. Yep. A little bit better. Yep. All that right. works. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Last week, uh, didn't I did not record an episode, but we did upload an episode. Yes, we did. Um, It is out. Uh, episode 125. This, is, of course, is episode 126. 126, people. 126. This is episode 127. 127. Was released so, last yeah. week. That's how slow I am. I'm forgetting numbers now. Numbers. But That's just because it's school started again for you. Yes. When the school happens, my brain feels like it's chopped in half because I got to think about two things in the same week. So. Yep. 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 But... So far, so, so good. We got, we got quite a bit to talk about. Shenanigans, stuff like that. Movies, directors, uh, some bit of news here and there. So yep. uh, buckle up and uh, let's, uh, let's get let's to Let's do this. it. Yeah, let's go. All righty. So where do we want to start? Begin again. So talk about your Missouri trip. Oh, yeah. So um, drove out to Missouri. Um, it was it wasn't bad. Um, wasn't bad. The drive was the, the we drove overnight there, got there, did uh did the graduation stuff with my son, sent him off for his next phase of training, um, and then drove back. Okay. Uh, overall fairly uneventful, but uh, did sit there and get to explore some of the local area around Fort Leonard Wood. Okay. So out of the camera focus, so. I gotta adjust that. Anyways, um, but yeah, we did some antiquing with my parent with uh, visiting different antique shops and whatnot, and then uh, made our way back. And then once we got back, it was break everything down and then go help a friend move some furniture because he's getting a new he's getting a getting a new place to live and staging stuff for that. So that's yay. always a good thing. Moving ish, maybe, maybe not. Oh, it's one of those things I didn't realize. It, it's it's like I know I've done the moving stuff before, and I know I, that kind of thing. But it's when, it, it's when hey, if a buddy needs some help, and you go to help, and you ask them, it's like, what do you need? And they're like, I don't know, what do you got? And then you realize <laughs> how much stuff you have for a particular task that you didn't realize you had. And yeah. thankfully, I've been doing a lot of organization of my stuff, and it was. Within like 30 minutes, I had 
plastic wrap, like you'd wrap stuff that's on a pallet. I had moving blankets. I had ratchet straps. I had a moving dolly. I had a little, little, little cart. You put stuff on and roll around four wheels and, and all of that collected and staged because I didn't know what this piece of furniture was. I knew it was fragile because it was a display case. It was just the unknown adventure. It, it was. And it was one of those things is like, as we were getting into the vehicle to drive back, my buddy's e texting me and calling me saying, Hey, are you going to be home? <laughs> Cause I need some help. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be home, but I'm not sure when. Yeah. You, it's, but uh, if you need help yeah. when I get home, I'll let you know when I get home and then I can help you out. Yeah. It's like, I'm halfway across the country somewhere doing something. Mm, yeah. But <laughs> I mean, Oh, the, the, the downside is we did try to do, we were going to try and do some camping style cooking while we were out. Unfortunately, and this was a learning curve for us is I have to look at, okay, where are we going to stop and when? Yeah. And one of the things we've realized is we brought this stuff to do like eggs and, and, and some breakfast cooking or whatever, but there were no rest stops at that time that we were nearby at the time we would do like breakfast or lunch or dinner it was always these really odd hours along the trip so one of the things we took from that is okay if we're gonna next time we do a trip like this we need to look ahead to the stops and plan okay we're gonna stop at such and such point by such and such time and this is when we're gonna do said meal yeah it, that's just kind of weird that there wasn't that many rest stops on a major highway because you you saw yeah. them more once you got out of West Virginia, but going through West Virginia, there wasn't a whole lot of rest stops along 64. Yeah. Uh, once you got out of 64 and you were cruising through, once you got then between like uh, on your way to Louisville and all of that, you had more opportunity to see rest stops. There were some cool rest stops, especially when you got to Indiana and things like that. But there was... I'd have to say there's there were more rest stops per mile going north than there was going west. Okay. That's interesting. So that made it a very interesting experience. Yeah. I mean, it was still a lot of fun. Um, posted a cool picture on my Instagram for the morning of. and Yep. Embrace. Nice... That's what I said when I saw the photo. That rest stop we were at, it was like clear. It was on, on a hill. It was like clear. It was like fields all the way east. And it was just like right there. I'm assuming so, you said that was in Kentucky, right? No, I thought it was Kentucky. Okay. I posted thinking I was in Kentucky. Okay. Where were you? It was literally, I woke up, stepped outside and was like, okay. But read the signs at the rest stop. Turned out I was in Indiana. Okay. So. The one thing I do uh, know is like when I'm driving west on 64, the one time we went in that direction, it is a lot more scenic than some of the travel going south. That's all I can say. Very much. Yeah. Very much. Unless you're driving through the Blue Ridge at night, then it's not so scenic. It's just all shadows. Yeah. Fog. <laughs> yeah, we did that coming back. It was dark, but going over it wasn't so. Well, I actually had to change my GPS track because my keep my settings on my GPS to avoid toll roads when possible. It's kind of hard to do in West Virginia. Yeah, well, unfortunately, when doing it in West Virginia, it takes you off the main highway and you spend a lot of time traveling the back roads to get back on the highway just to bypass the toll plazas. 
Well, if it's one o'clock in the morning, it's pitch black, there's fog everywhere, and the road is not quite two lanes wide, it can get a little sketchy. Yeah, that would be something where I would just stay in the main road. So I was I was I was trying to get a little sleep. My wife was driving and I kind of I woke up and I could tell she was just not having a good time with this with these road conditions. So as soon as we got back to the hot, back got to a stopping point, I reset the the GPS to I don't care about tolls, just put me on the fastest track, easiest track to where I'm going. And then that put us on the highway. We went through one toll plaza and that was the end of that end of that way back. We went through two of them. So it was like, really? Yeah. Spending all that time and distance just to save me 10 bucks. Yeah. That sounds like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have an easy pass? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's Oddly not... enough. It, it, it's actually becoming, it's actually becoming harder to find a toll plaza that doesn't take exclusively easy pass yeah what i've i learned i learned that quickly when we went to florida for our vacation is that when i went back in 2018 you had to get like the sun pass to be able to do it the second time around i guess they do a partnership with all the other passes so you don't have to get like that temporary sun pass your easy pass will work yeah so that 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 definitely helps especially once you get into certain parts of south florida that's cool. Fun times. Fun times. All yeah. right. So uh, that was that. And now it's getting ready for the next trip, which is going north. The great north, north of the border. Yeah. Going north for a work thing in Canada uh, the end of the month. And ironically, we were having a meeting today as part of our prep for that. And then there was there was this, this dialogue or conversation about uh, Tuesday. And it was like, okay, where's all this talk about Tuesday? And then my name gets thrown around. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. You is popular. I, I feel like I'm missing something here. And turns out it's, I had my dates goofed. Really? I was operating on the planning on checking in to the resort on the Wednesday, checking out on the Saturday. Okay. Turns out I'm actually a day off. So I'm supposed to be checking in on Tuesday, checking out on Friday, which the Friday part's fine. I'll just leave, hop back across the border to my buddy's house in, in, in Cape Vincent and be straight. Going up there, I was planning to meet up with some peeps Yeah. in uh, Ontario Tuesday night before going to the convention on Wednesday. Well, now I got to go do work stuff. And then in the evening, coordinate going to hang out with with uh, <laughs> with my friends in in Ontario. So it's like it's going to be a busy day. It's going to be definitely interesting. But you know, uh, faux pas happen. So just got to work around I'm, it. I'm still super excited. I'm excited for you and getting getting to travel some more and see some things. And you know, it it works out well. I don't have to worry about buying an extra hotel room. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. And I'm thinking I'm probably going to drive up on Friday and just take all my work calls while in transit. Yeah, that's it's possible. mostly meetings at, anyway. And, and that way I'm not driving overnight because while, while our buddy Saladin really likes to drive overnight. Yeah. I don't. 
I've done the overnight yeah. drive a few times, but now when I do my long drives, it's get up early enough and we'll get there by whenever we get there. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm thinking. It's like, I'd want to see some of the scenery. Yeah. Now I can understand driving at night if you want to avoid major cities. Yep. Like Chicago. I hate driving through Chicago. I will concur with that. There is some stupidity that happens with drivers in Chicago. No driven... offense to the citizens of Chicago, oh, no, 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 but no. the driving is on a whole other level. <laughs> the whole whole lot of hate and discontent yeah. driving through Chicago. Yeah. Because I've driven through Chicago four times. Two south-north, two north-south. Yeah. And it sucks. I mean, I don't even know why they even bother posting a speed limit. If you go above 35, you're lucky. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. Feel free to comment in the, put a comment in there. If Tell me your worst city to drive through. My worst city to drive through. I, I've been through a lot of cities, but you know. Well, I've been through a few too. Yeah, but, I uh, mean, but when you've been through San Diego and LA, in the LA area, you've been through DC and Chicago. Of the three, I'll take driving through DC or LA before I willingly drive through Chicago again. Yeah. If I can avoid driving through Chicago, I will avoid driving through Chicago. Hell, driving through Indianapolis isn't that bad. Yeah, Indianapolis is fine. I've been through Indianapolis. But DC kind of sucks. Um, Anybody I, that lives in Virginia knows up there is kind of harsh. Now, I can't say anything for New York City because I, I will avoid going to New York City as much as possible. And if I ever, and I so saw, I cannot speak for driving through New York. But I know enough people who've driven through New York, and the sentiment is always the same. So, sorry, New Yorkers, your city's great, but your traffic sucks. Yep, it always is like that. It's like, it's great to visit, but uh, heck if I'm driving through that. <laughs> new, 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 new. Especially if you're a new person driving in those areas, forget it. Yeah. Just forget about it. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, leave a comment. Uh, put a comment in there. Tell us your worst, the worst city you've driven through. I can uh, say the crazy city I've drive through, even though I go there a lot and like it down there, is, is South Florida, Miami. It yeah. is crazy, uh, but it's not. It's not. It's not terrible. It's well, just crazy. I'm driving through El Paso, Houston. Those are some wild cities, depending on when you drive through it. I've driven through Houston traffic. It's right up there. It's not not quite as bad as Chicago, but it's up there. Um, yeah. Actually, no, I take it. I've driven through Chicago six times. Six times. Okay. One time it was to and from O'Hare International. That's a huge airport. Yes. That's, very huge. That's a huge airport. I keep bouncing around the, the window <laughs> on the screen. It's hilarious. Plus, it's this delay. It's all good. You uh, still got I the audio. For that. I don't know why the camera is not keeping sync. But yeah, if you feel like watching the video, we are on Spotify, Apple, yeah, iHeart, all the other podcast streaming platforms. So if you oh, don't yeah. want to see us, you can hear us. Like so. us, give us a review, all that fun stuff. Shenanigans. Totally. Before we get too much further, since you brought up the where you can find us. Where can we find us? Uh, on all of your major podcast platforms, uh, as well as uh, a video on demand through you, through our YouTube channel. Yes, sir. Because, uh, we want to do a shout out and a thank you to Sirenscape. Go Sirenscape. Sirenscape. Sirenscape is a collection of background music and soundboards you can use for your tabletop experience. 
Uh, they have an uh, amazing web-based player that you can sync up with your, you can pass a link out to your friends if you play remotely. And so they can feel that same ambiance as you describe your stories, or if you just want a little something to go with the playing a board game, whether yeah. it's, uh, you know, the Devil May Cry board game, or it could be a rounding, rousing round of Munchkin. Uh, they've got, <laughs> you can check them out for those kinds of things. So go check it out. Sirenscape.com for more information and sign up for their, for their app and their service. You'll not be disappointed. We've been using it for over three years and I don't see stopping that anytime soon. So they are excellent. Sirenscape.com for your gaming music needs. All right. Check them out today. Okay, got that out of the way. All righty. Boom. Yeah. Um. So, so you're back to back to ODU. Yes. So back on campus. So actually, you know, go back to campus, go back to the class, and it's actually been great. Like going to the school again because the last four semesters has been home, and I don't, you know, I don't downplay, you know, doing the Zoom and you know doing the remote tele stuff because I also work from home. It's just it's nice to get out. And okay. go back to campus and do all that shenanigans. So it's a uh, Monday nights where I go back to campus and it's a uh, I'm taking an English Renaissance drama class. So we are going and reading plays and deciphering all the different things that happened during that uh, certain era of the Renaissance era in England. So it's not just Shakespeare plays. We are reading a lot of other different plays and dealing with how, uh, you know, they touch up on various different topics and different ideas and the creativeness of some of the plays. You know, some of the English is hard, but that's where discussions come in. And it's fun to actually enjoy reading something and discussing it live with people again, like actual live in the room. So that's fun. Nice. So, and yep, read read the one play and I got to do some writing stuff. But, you know. That doesn't bother me because if you, if I enjoy what I'm reading, then I'll enjoy what I write about it. So, you know, it goes hand in hand compared to last semester, which was a lot of reading. If you all remember, you can go to previous episodes. I showed off every book. But yeah, <laughs> other than that, just um, just just chilling at home, catching up on all these shows that will come around, all these movies and just being at home. Football season started back up, um, even though my team got trounced. I'm still happy that football is back. And other than that, just kind of just relaxing, you know, nothing too hard. Your team got trounced? Who, 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 who oh, the Vikings killed us on Sunday. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, we look terrible. The Packers look terrible. But it's only week one. You can't judge off of one week, even though your team had a great win on Monday night. Seahawks. I was just going to verify that. I yeah. just wanted to make sure it was uh, the Seahawks played against uh, the 49ers. and uh, the, the Broncos. 49ers. The Broncos. Broncos? Yep. The 49ers played the uh, Chicago Bears this weekend. Oh. But what was good about the Monday night is the first game back for Russell Wilson, who was your quarterback. He's now playing for Denver and came home. Talk about, you know, creating drama and talk. <laughs> but yet, y'all beat him on, on a, a missed field goal. So 17-16. But it's a win is a win. So congrats to the Seahawks. So, But yeah, that's really all it is, is school and work. And that's pretty much going to be rotation of stuff. Might do some things, you know, go to local drinking holes and food, cutting back on eating. I went back on a diet. So, you know, that's that's been good. I've lost at last time I checked 15 pounds. So that's a plus. Um, other than that, just catching up on all this stuff we're going to be talking about. All right. Nice. Yeah, I thought it was uh, just checking out the stats right now. It's interesting. 
what stats? Video stats? Uh, no, the uh, current standings. Oh, yeah. So it was like Seahawks win, w- w- first win against, and like you said, I thought it was 49ers on my bad. It was the Bron- It was the Broncos. I think they play the 49ers this weekend. Yeah, it said preview, so yeah. now that I can see that. Yeah. Um, so. Division-wise, it's like my team is... The only one with a win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Rams got their butt trounced on opening night by the Bills, so go Bills. Um, the uh, Niners yeah. look terrible, and the Cardinals got their butt whooped by Kansas City. So, yeah, yep. it was, uh, Seahawks over the Broncos, seventeen to sixteen, close game. It was really close. I was uh, listening and watching to it after class because my class is Monday night. Actually, you know that's going to be interesting because uh, this year Thursday night games are exclusively. Uh, re- streamed via Amazon. So. Yep, Prime Video. So that they got the rights. They got the rights to the NFL game. So it's going to be interesting. But the thing is, a lot of people have Fire Sticks and Prime Video. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what the viewership is compared. I'm, to- I'm curious because also I, it's like I do bowling league yeah. on Thursday nights, and that, you know it's kind of one of those subtle enjoyments is to watch the Thursday night game while we're bowling. Yeah, maybe they'll get a subscription. Prime Video. Who knows? We'll find it's out. Only fourteen ninety nine a month. Not, I'm sure it'll be interesting to see what they find to fill in the gap. Probably cricket. Hmm. Do you know what that is, people? Look it up. Trivia. Oh, so. Alrighty. Okay. <laughs> so I think we're we're out of that. Um. Let's see. So let's see. What do we got on the docket? We, we got, got um some, some films. Some news. Some news. Films. Yep. Uh, debate on directors. Yep. Um, that is um, that is something, you know, you were saying like come up with topics. That's one topic that we came yeah. up with. So definitely yeah, we'll get into that. But let's uh, let's talk about some Netflix stuff. Netflix to the flicks of the nets. Uh, let's start. Let's uh, start with some of the uh, with with some streaming news. Yep. Uh, let's see. Netflix is celebrating 25 years. Yep. Holy cow, yeah. dude! It's been 25 years since the bread box since that came out. I yeah. So it's been red box, uh, red a different company. So, hey. <laughs> so yeah, it's been 25 years, and it's just uh, reminiscing about like where Netflix started and how they were like revolutionary in what they were doing at oh, yeah. the time. I mean, at first it was the mail order DVD. Yep. Order a DVD from them. Hang on to it. When you're done with it, send it back. They send you the next one. Yep. Uh, building up the subscription plan, uh, taking a chance <laughs> on the subscription plan. Yep. Uh, and seeing how it would come to fruition, then getting into streaming, and then being the only game in town for a nearly a decade. Yeah. For a solid decade, the only game in town for for streaming uh, movies and TV. Yeah. And then Amazon came on the scene, and then. Uh, all the others started coming on with like Disney Plus and Paramount Plus and HBO Max, HBO Plus. I mean, it was now the landscape is huge. Yeah. So it's it's streaming. just um, even if people like to say what they want to say about Netflix, they they they're the ones that 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 pushed forward with the game and actually took a chance when people thought it would not work out. Yeah. So it it's interesting to see. So they took a chance, you know, on the mail in, got rid of the late fees, like you said, started the streaming, and then started doing original content on streaming, which was unheard of when they started it with House of Cards and Orange Is the New Black. But then they actually like. Wow, a streaming service can actually have good shows. Oh yeah. yeah. 
And now they now they have and it's made a few problems for them. Yep. Because now the argument is they can't none of their content has up and comers to build an audience. Yep. They're relying on established names and figures within the entertainment industry to draw the audience to Netflix. Yep. So it's 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 another hurdle that they have to come over. But you know, you've been reigning pretty strong for 25 years and the one thing that netflix has been able to do is an adapt so even with competition competition can actually push creatives to the top so we'll see what happens in the next 25 years yep yep so. and the next thing we got paramount plus and showtime uh a merger yes so um What's this that? yeah so before uh, you where you would have paramount plus you can buy an additional subscription you know to get the showtime stuff or if you have showtime anytime and stuff and it would be separate subscription kind of like what hbo max and discovery uh plus has um but now they did it immediately what they did is merge both showtime and paramount's a catalog together all under the paramount plus brand so basically they have four different tiers so they have the paramount plus the regular stuff the 7.99 and the 12.99 um um but they bumped it up if you go to the supreme i'm going to call it the supreme but if you go up to the supreme it basically infuses all the showtime content you have access to all the showtime's catalog for either 1199 uh uh, for the essential tier, which you have ads, or the fourteen nine nine monthly, which is the premium without ads plus live TV. So, yeah. So you don't have to pay that additional girth to have all the Showtime stuff on Paramount Plus, which I think this is a good thing because one, it's actually building up the Paramount catalog quietly, and then adding actually good shows because Showtime has a lot of good shows, a lot of yeah. under the radar shows. Yeah, Showtime does a lot of good ones. They were the first one to run Stargate SG One. Yep. Uh, for a number of years before it moved over to the sci-fi channel. Yep. Um, so yeah, you can't really knock the fact that Showtime was doing TV shows really well. I, I would argue they were doing them really well before HBO really got into it. Yeah. So they have a lot of good stuff. So all those shows that you might've missed up on or want to catch up, they're going to have the full catalog access. So if you remember Dexter yep. on Showtime, yeah, Dexter, run? yeah, the whole run and the sequel series. So, uh, yep. Plus another under the radar show, Ray Donovan is up there. And then you got a plethora of other shows I that we can Ray go Donovan. through. That, yep. that was, um, what's his name? Lee, Lee uh, Schreider. Uh, yeah. Lee Schreider. Yep. Liv Schreider. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's the lead on that. So, yeah, you can get access right away to a lot of shows like uh, American Gods, Billions, Super Pump, The Man Who Fell to Earth, just to name a few um, that are like I call like under the radar shows because not a lot of people talk about Showtime shows, but they're really great. Okay. Okay. But yeah, that is effective immediately. So once I read this news, I went and upped my subscription up. So I had Showtime episodes on there. So, yep, you can bump it up. It's 12 and 14.99 respectfully. And it is, it really is becoming the same as a cable bill ordering yeah. all these different streaming services. Oh yeah, it is. Um, um, so it's a matter of outweighing what do you really want to use or what do you not want to use. So out of all the streaming services, the only one I don't pay for or really watch is Peacock. Even though I know it's got a good catalog, it's just, it's just one of those, you know, I don't have all the time to watch all this stuff. So I, I think the only thing I watch on Peacock is maybe some of the WWE stuff, specifically Broken Skull Sessions. Yep, you've told me with, those are uh, good. Steve Austin, because uh, that's a really cool podcast kind of bit. It's yep. nice to 
see some of the hear those stories and 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 how kind of like behind the curtain of the wrestling world at the time these guys were all getting into it because the majority of all the people are in there is like when steve and undertaker and a bunch of the others they were all getting into it before vince had bought up all the territories essentially and made the big national uh territory yeah but it's just the the stories of being on the road the how well these guys knew how how these guys knew each other from one promotion to the next uh it's just really fascinating really interesting great stuff to listen to and then of course getting into some of the newer newer generation and they've got some interesting stories too because their big thing is the the older the older the older crew they were used to feeding off the audience yeah and then this newer crew had to deal with the pandemic and the fact that the ring area was essentially just a video conferencing space with the ring. There was no ambient sound to influence what was happening. All you had was these screens and there wasn't a lot of noise coming from the screens. And it was like, you could hear the echoes and the whispers and all the stuff you normally would, you couldn't hear during a live event. Yeah. You could hear clear, almost clear as day in this environment. So it's, it's interesting to hear those stories and hear that stuff, but that's probably the only thing on Peacock. I really can name off the top of my head that I watch. Yeah. Everything else is kind of like, yeah, yeah. I have that free subscription, but I never watched anything on Peacock, but you know, you have to pick and choose, but the good thing is with all the streaming services, there's a lot of tailored stuff. Like if you specifically like this, this, and this, you can always go to certain places. So there is a plus uh, with oh. it, but you know, prices go up. That's part of life. So, you know, just figure out what works best for yeah. you. Yeah. All right. So going back over to Netflix, we got two films from Netflix you watched. Yep. And we're going to do, we're going to do a couple of quick reviews on those. Yep. So two, two on Netflix and one in the theater. All right. So this is going to be, so we got our first one from Netflix is a movie called persuasion. Yes, sir. Um, this is, it looks like it's a period piece based on the iconography, but this is a romance. Yes. It's a, it's a period piece, uh, an adaptation of one of Jane Austen's novels. Okay. Um, and it focuses on a relationship between uh, two characters, uh, one uh, named Elliot, uh, Anne Elliot played by Dakota Johnson and Wentworth played by Cosmo Jarvis. So the movie sets up right in the beginning in the prologue that these two people fall in love, but because of circumstances, they, um, um, they were forced, uh, they, she had to end the relationship. And then it flash forwards eight years later, and then you find, you know, uh, Anne Elliot still single, living at home, and dealing with the crazy shenanigans and antics of her family. <laughs> and through some convenient circumstances and situations that happen with her family, she's fo- forced to move in with her younger sister. And at that time, she comes back in contact with Wentworth, who at the time um, was just getting in into the, being a British sailor, and now he's very well renowned now. So. Once they come back together, that's when some of the shenanigans happen, with romantic shenanigans of a period piece. So this is kind of a kind of a Romeo Juliet thing. No, crossed. No, no, it's completely opposite of what you're thinking because you would assume it's a period piece. It's going to be very um, poignant and very uh, obtuse to the caricatures. But the thing is, is that watching this film, uh, unlike some of the reviews that I read. 
um, outside of that. I really enjoyed it because of the way of the direction, the way of uh, interesting use of fourth wall breaking. And what I described in the direction is the sense of modernity. And what I mean by that is that there's this like wit and charm that is built into situations and abstract humor that happens with the characters where they are playing common tropes and archetypes, but in a way that is like a combination of modern senses with the period piece. So there's a contrasting of both uh, modernism and both the period setting that creates this foliness that you enjoy as all this crazy antics are happening between the characters. Okay. So as the romance are building, it is playing that will they, won't they get back together and stuff. And there's some come, uh, some predictable threads, but I never uh, uh, use predictability as a downside to a film. It's all about the characters and driving the story. So even when you know a period piece in romance and how it ends, it's the journey in the characters and the directional techniques that make this more than just the period piece. So this is one. This is one of those instances where the story is we've we've seen it done multiple times before. Yep. But it's the fact that they took they put it in a period setting, little modern dialogue, modern wit, modern humor. And the fourth wall breaking. I'm telling you that fourth wall breaking is what okay. makes this film enjoyable. All right, so we have that. And, and so it's, yep. it's we know they, how it's going to end, yeah. but we just we want to see how they get from A to B. Yeah. And that's the ride. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's that quirkiness and that okay. witty dialogue that makes it a colorful journey. So overall, uh, it's, it you know, it's a period piece and stuff, but it's that, that the way they do it that makes it fun. So gave it a three out of five. It would be fun to see at the theaters for the right price. All righty. Three out of five for that one. Yep. It's on Netflix. Check it yep. out. Check it out, people. The next one we're watching. Purple Hearts. Purple Hearts. This is another Netflix original. Yep, another romance tale of some this kind. This one did not fare so well to your critical eye. No, it did not. So, okay, so this is another romance story, which boy it, meets girl, you know, shenanigans. Well, it, in a way, yeah. And But this is... but. This one, it really struggled at a couple of points for based on the reviews. So, yeah. why don't you give us like, okay, what's the what's what's, what's the what setup? was the intent? Okay, and the then setup. we can get into how the okay. execution really so, made the intent. So this is another uh, another like romance tale, but not set up like the previous one. It's not a period piece. It's a modern setting because it deals with this girl that uh, through convenient circumstances meets this guy, and um. Through their circumstances, they uh, decide to get married because of the benefits that would help them. She, um, uh, who is, uh, what's her name? Uh, Cassie, played by Sophia Car Carson, who needs um, insulin because she has diabetes, but she doesn't have insurance. And then uh, Luke, played by Nicholas Galzing. Uh, sorry if I butchered your name. He has um, a, a drug issue or that his past that he has to deal with and because of their situation getting married will get certain benefits that would help both of them so it sets that up on this like a uh, like opposites kind of attract thing they're just kind of doing it for means but it evolves into something more a little bit more and turns into that romantic tale of fully mishaps and uh con you know convenience for that overall happily ever after All by right, the end so a relationship of convenience that unfolds into more yeah. Where did this movie struggle? The movie struggled at various points. And I'll start with the, the first act. When you're leading into this movie, um, everything is based off, uh, you know, an outline of something that you're familiar with and archetypes. Everything has it. But what makes things a 
that go above and beyond that, even just a little bit, is that you take the archetype and you actually flesh it out to be something meaningful um, to a point where you actually care about the characters or they make a point other than just being stationary for the plot. So what happens is, is that they're so wide, one-dimensional, the archetypes, that everything they say or do is so stereotypical that it drives a wedge into actually wanting to care about what these characters are because you have a strong a feminist character and a very uh, staunch military stuff and there's good conflict that could happen but they just play on the stereotype instead of actually building it so when mishaps happen it just becomes foley for the sake of foley Aww. and the romantic clock is so underdeveloped because of this pl placatedness of just playing to the types and tropes that you don't really care at points, even when there are moments of greatness in this movie. There are moments when they're great and like sudden emotional things, but it's taken away from that lack of good direction. This sounds like something you'd put on for white noise. Yeah, well, in a way, it's not that bad, but, you know, it is one of those ones where you can enjoy it because there are, there are good parts, but it's very shaky throughout. All right, so. so this one turns out to be, in case you had not guessed it, a 2.5 out, out of 5 Friday night rental. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good time to watch at home. You're not going to feel like you wasted time, but you're going to realize that it's basic at very uh important parts of the story that it just kind of outweighs it. The only good thing is it does end on a good note. It ends okay. on a very heartfelt note. And there's a lot of good singing notes cuz she's a singer. Oh. So there those are the parts that really are strong in this movie. Okay. All right, so now we're going to go from Netflix to the theaters, and yep. we are going to check out 3,000 Years of Longing. And All right. So this is Idris Alba, at the actress. I'm recognizing her. Uh, Tilda Swinton, yep. What is something else she's done? She looks familiar. She she was uh, the ancient one in the Doctor Strange films. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's done some other – she's mostly in a lot of British – British films and okay. stuff, but yeah, she's very big. I know she was, I think she was in one of the Harry Potter films. I cannot remember. I think Tilda she played uh, the, the seer, seer, the one with the big glasses. Let me see. Actress. So some films that she's done that you might recognize. Um, she's, she's in a lot of Wes Anderson films. That'll come up in a little, a little bit later, but um, she does. Uh, she's in Doctor Strange, Grand Budapest Hotel, um, she does a lot of British films. She was in Curious Case of Benjamin Button, ah. um, mm, Faceless, Strange Culture, Sleepwalkers, uh, Constantine, the video game. She voiced a video game. Okay, but yeah, she's very popular and more you know, so on the on the British Isles. But yeah. All right. So this is a movie that's playing on the uh, Arabian Nights kind of stuff with the jinn and wishes and uh, have all of that. So. Yeah. Uh, take it away, Rye. Tell, yeah, us, yeah. tell okay. us a little. Tell, so, give us the short. The short, the short short summarize of this is that uh, Tilda Swinton plays a, a British scholar by the name of Alth Althea, and she likes to embark on uh, venturing out and discovering things. So she's a scholar, so she travels to different places to uh, uh, learn about the stories of that area. So she's like a narr story narrator, so she's trying to collect all these stories. And what happens is she travels to Istanbul. And she, uh, through convenient circumstance, she comes across a jinn. She gets an item and then comes to uh, find out she releases this jinn who is played by Idris Elba. And what it is is that this film is a much ado about based on the idea of what is myth and legend, what is truth, and what is um, very innate to 
uh, fulfilling someone's desire because she's very content with her life and a jinn is trying to grant her wishes of her utmost desire. So there's this conflict of two different philosophies. And what happens is, is in this film, it's very much... Um, it's very much driven by dialogue and character because what it is is just them in a room and they're just conversing about life and Jin is talking about his whole history, uh, how he's trying to, you know, grant certain people's uh, desires, but there's a lostness in their own love. Like she doesn't feel like she needs love and he's looking to grant love. So through the storytelling and just the mythos of the Jin and his stories, you start to see this uh, innate uh, reflection of human fragility character and difference because what they think they want becomes a little less important to what's really what they want well, in each other always be the thing whenever you look at any of these story any of these in in literature and whatnot what you wish for is not necessarily what you're gonna get yeah so this film does a great job of providing this enthralling escape through conversation and dialogue and the vividness of the of his of his um um, past selves it creates this like layer of escapism and vivid world building that you have this belief that wishes can be true but at the same time she likes to, she's very smart so she like um plays off his idea of wishes being important with her own scholarly background so you see this like leveling of myth and truth and facts and beliefs that it makes the film such a fun ride just them having a conversation in a hotel room yeah so. All right, so this one did pretty well out of yep. our tonight's list. Uh, yep. So three point five out of five. Yeah, I give this three point five out of five matinees because that run and that storytelling, you get engrossed in it, and you start to feel the understanding of what both they want and the ideas of love and granting desires. Um, the only reason it comes down a little bit is like once it gets in the third act, it becomes very uh, cookie cutter with the romance story, but it does end up at a high note. So that's why I got 3.5 out of 5. And just to add, this is uh, George Miller's uh, first film since doing Mad Max Fury Road. Oh. So it's a very good contrast. It's a very different film yeah. than Mad Max. Yeah. So Fury just Road. to point you out that. So if you do watch it, just remember he um, it's the Mad Max director. And it's just the it's the visual storytelling with the conversation. So if you like that kind of stuff, I would do it definitely recommend it. I think it's available on Prime to rent now. So Alrighty. So Okay, so we're gonna backtrack out real quick. But yep. Looking forward to the next films I watch. Yeah, speaking of films and announcements, let's uh, talk about D23 that happened this D23, past week. D23, the ultimate showcase of letdowns. So. Whoa! Whoa! We're going there? You're going there? Yep. I will say that D23, for most, it was a fun, enjoyable, you know, new stuff. But for, you know, being what it's supposed to be, it's a letdown. All right. Well, talk to me. Tell me how it was a letdown. It's a letdown because if you place it against previous D3 and the fact that Disney likes to hype this up as this where you get in all the new stuff, they didn't show one new thing for either Star Wars or Marvel. All the stuff they showed are stuff that we already knew. Granted, it was fun of the stuff they, they did show, but they, 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 they hyped it up for something they could have just showed at yeah, any I cons have, i must have missed the previous thing because thunderbolts was news to me no thunderbolts was the cast was new but it's like second tier news it's not like one that will hype you up it's not okay. one that you would drop because the previous d3 they dropped bombs stuff we didn't know 
they announced Ewan McGregor coming back for Obi-Wan, the Obi-Wan series. They dropped Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, all these new stuff. Here Marvel they just... Marvel Knight was a new, was a new one. No, that, everybody, it was already uh, known in the movie sphere and from comic that they were working on a werewolf by night. They just released the trailer. So, um, I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying when you build up a height to making this like your thing... And then you don't show any, you don't show anything new, really anything new that people don't already have an idea that you're going to be uh, showing. What about Mufasa's solo movie? Marvel and Star Wars. That was the letdown. Okay. The over that's that's what goes back to the overall thing with uh, Disney. The whole the the overall thing was fun and exciting. Disney itself and all the animated stuff was all new, so that was the exciting stuff. Marvel and Star Wars was the letdown. With okay. fun stuff. So, fair, fair. So. I mean, yeah, yeah, there was definitely yeah. some stuff. But Mufasa, that... that was cool. And I'm actually looking forward to that in The Little Mermaid because at least they're not just trying to do scene-by-scene remakes of their live action, it looks like. They're actually trying to do something different with a prequel focusing on Mufasa. And Little Mermaid is actually going to be a full-on musical. It's directed by Rob Marshall, who, if you know that name, he directed Chicago. So... Yeah. Well, we'll have to see. I'm not a particular fan of Little Mermaid, but I'm all. But we'll wait. We'll yeah. yeah. Judgment till it comes out. Yeah. I also kind of struck me as like, okay, why are we doing this? Because uh, um, uh, Lion King made a uh, 1.3 billion worldwide. You know. <laughs> Hand by critics, but still made a lot of money. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Lots and lots of money, but um. Overall, like I said, I like the announcement. It's just the presentation was a letting out. I like seeing more stuff from Andor. I love the Mandalorian season three trailer. That was nice. Um, but um, other than that, I meant the animated stuff was cool. That Tales of the Jedi looks intriguing. So I'm kind of yeah. curious on that. What's your what's your take on the Star Wars celebrate or Star Wars presentation? Um, the Star Wars side of things, from what I heard, it's interesting. I'm looking forward to Andor next week. Yeah, not gonna lie. You're not the only one. Is it Wednesday? It. Is it dropping Wednesday? I think so. The 21st. All yeah. three episodes on uh, three yeah, episodes on one day. Episodes are dropping. That'll yep. be good. Um, little bum that Bad Batch was pushed from September to January, but I'm sure there's reasons for that. Yep. I.e., there's already a bunch of stuff dropping on Disney Plus, and you want to get your you want to you don't want to you don't want to over overfeed everybody. You want to yep. you want to give them some space. Um. The tail, the the tail, the two, the Jedi one with the new animated one, that'll be interesting because we're seeing a younger Dooku. That was what got me. Like I saw the trailer, but like when I saw that young Dooku, it's like you know that'd be cool to see all the stuff that really led to what he did. Well, it's like it's gonna focus on it's gonna focus on Ahsoka and it's gonna focus on Dooku. Yeah, which is very interesting choices. Obviously, Ahsoka is very popular character. Um, but this is it'd be interesting to see how this get this goes, and I mean the animation is definitely getting better and better. Yeah, so. you can definitely tell that each year that animation style that they use is it's so very has this very humanistic tone now, even though it's CGI and you feel the emotions. Well, I mean, if the fact that when they did uh, the Clone Wars stuff and the fight between. Darth Maul and Ahsoka, the fact that that's actually not an animated scene in the previous fights with Darth Maul, but it's yep. actually a motion-captured fight with the man himself coming back to reprise the character of Darth Maul and his sword fighting. 
Yeah. It's it's really cool. Uh so, you know. And and you can tell it looks so much more fluid. Yeah. So you it's know. cray cray and I'm excited. So But yeah, how was that? Um some of the other stuff Disney announced uh was was cool. I was kind of shocked to see Inside Out 2. I'm actually I'm surprised about that. Like that was like one of my like highlights because it came out of nowhere. It's not one thing they talked about that had any inklings from Pixar in the over the years. It's a more modern film than the ones they're redoing or making sequels to. Yeah, so it's it's kind of cool, but it doesn't feel like a fourth sequel because if if anybody remembers how the first one ended, it kind of like predicated they're moving into the adolescent years. Oh yeah, when she got the new board. Uh, it's like, what does this button do? <laughs> That's puberty. I have yeah. no idea. It probably won't be important. <laughs> Everyone's watching going. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do with that. But I love the first film. It was my number one movie of that year. So I have no doubts uh, so far. Yeah, but it's interesting how they're redoing older films and they're making sequels to older films. Like we're getting Disenchanted, a sequel to Enchanted that came out 15 years ago. Yep. I didn't watch the trailer, but I heard it looked good, but I think it drops this year. I think it drops this year. I know it's going to drop on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's going to drop on Disney Plus in October, I think. Plus, of course, we got our trailer for Hocus Pocus 2. I know a lot of people that I know I have a lot of people that are fans of the Hocus Pocus like to the extreme. So I know there's a lot of people that are going to break Disney Plus because I guarantee on some of these shows, they're going to like break when you're trying to watch them. I'm hoping it it's done well because this is see, this is one of those. It's a lot like the Willow TV show, which we saw got dropped as well. Uh, we saw a good trailer for that. So that'll be interesting to see. It's nice to see how much of the cast came back for that. But it's the it's with that one with Willow. It was kind of it's been so long since the first one came out in '89. I think if I remember right, I uh, can't remember what year, but it was 80, around late there, or late '80s. And here we you are. Keep in talking. The I'll look it up. So it's like doing my research for you. Good thirty some odd years, but they've kind of reinvented the character, reinvented some of the story stuff because it's been so long. Which is 1988. Great. 1988. Okay. 88, 80, 87, 89 was a great year for movies. Anyway, so we're coming coming back into that, and so they re- revamped this character for this, but then we have Hocus Pocus 2, which the first Hocus Pocus had a great ending. Yeah. Great ending. It was wildly popular. It's still a very wildly popular Halloween film. We get to people watch year after year. But that's another one. It's been 20-plus years, and now they're doing a sequel, and it's the, okay... How are they going to handle it? Yeah, I, I, I am. I'm not like the crazy fan of the first one. I've seen it a few times. I can't remember it, so I can say like you know, when you make a sequel or a movie after so many years, it's very much uh you know a toss of the dice. It's a gamble because yeah. look at uh Top Gun this year. Like that was 35 years and it's been a success. But there's been films, a lot of films that have waited too long and been a failure. So yeah. Matrix so, Revolution. It, it, it really has to depend on who's doing it, what the story is, and what is the value of the source. Like Maverick. Let 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 let's 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 be real about that. Top Gun Maverick is a callback to nostalgic action movies of the eighties. Yeah. It's the it it's there's the story is not a hundred not terribly original, but 
it's the fact that it's a natural progression of the character. Yeah. And the fact that they chose to revisit characters that you saw as a glimpse or as a reference in the first film. So you already have a connection to them. Yeah. Which and and they did the smart things by not continuing every single relationship that was in the first film. Yeah. The great one, Maverick and Penny and Penny. It's like Penny Benjamin. It's like that was a that was a throwaway reference in the first film. And now we actually get to see her and she literally does not give Maverick any room to, to any room. And then of course we see Rooster who's like the son and it's like, you know, these are some great choices in the storytelling. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's not one that's going to blow you away with a story, but like you said, it's a throwback, it's nostalgia and it's just, it's just a harkens to like a true blockbuster and that's why it struck gold. But then there's some that wait too long and it doesn't be successful. Yeah. Like Matrix Revolution just being one of them that in the most recent zeitgeist that was not very successful. So I, I'm, I, well, I'm curious to see. Um, it, I haven't seen those actresses in, in years because I don't remember anything recent they've done. I know yeah. the one she did the Sister Act films. She looks like she's a lot thinner because age, because it's been so many years. Beth Midler. I mean, Beth Midler is a whole conversation by herself, so we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is, people. Just um, do it as I say. And then uh, the last one, she did Sex in the City, right? Yep. She uh, they she was part of the, the sequel series that was on HBO Max. I don't remember the name of it, but they did uh, do a revival of Sex in the City. I can't even remember her name. It was Sarah, Mich- uh, Sarah Michelle. No. Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker. So, okay. Sarah Jessica Parker. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's like it'll be it'd be curious to see. I'm I'm curious. So um, you know, sometimes you can, like you said, you can strike gold, Top Gun, or you can out. Matrix Revolution. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, that was. I mean, some of that stuff that was announced was cool. Um, what was something else? D twenty three announcements. Uh, what do you think about the Marvel? You didn't mention Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts caught me by surprise because I wasn't aware that they were doing it, and I wasn't aware. I mean. We've in fact that they are, we have all these characters that were introduced and now we're going to see them together in some kind of film. What's it going to be? I'm not sure. I'm not big on the Thunderbolts yeah. lore. It's another one of they those were super yeah. villains who tried to be heroes. Yeah. So it's and, like it's Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad, just in a different term. So, um, so yeah, Marvel's was good. Like I said, letdown doesn't mean that I wasn't excited with what was there. It's just what wasn't what, there. What wasn't there. The, so, no, no yeah. talk. Now, oh yeah. yeah, the secret invasion trailer was that got me hyped because what that seems like it's doing. It's harking back to one of my favorite Marvel films, uh, Winter Soldier. They're doing. It looks like a spy espionage, but with the scroll invasion. So it's going to be interesting to see. And just seeing all the actors and actresses they got for that show, Olivia Coleman. Hello, you know. Like I can't wait to see. Can't wait to see it. That's dropping. That'll be drop when it drops. Yeah, I think it's like early next year, January or February. One of the okay. Ones. So, but yeah, we got a lot of like stuff uh, that they announced. Uh, they went more in detail with Echo and Daredevil. They did mention some stuff about Ant Man and the and the Wasp of Quantumania, How it's going to lead into um, Avengers uh, King Dynasty. So they said it's going to be a little bit more serious than you're used to. So we'll interesting to see. But you know. Fun stuff. Yeah. You know, fun stuff. Yep. So. Yep. 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 All right. So 
Got that out of the way. Now for our big top. I mean, how how long have we been doing this now? What, what's the timer say? It says uh, 7.54. 55 minutes. We've been recording 55 minutes. We, oh hit up, we hit up all our stuff. See? That's what happens when you prep. I'm a good prepper. Yes, you Pat are. on my shoulder, people. Pat on my shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. But well, our big fireside chat. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we could do that now. We could do that for a little bit. We could do yeah. that. Get some minute. We're one a little long. Y'all deserve it. We were yeah. we were out for a week, so yeah, we can do the fireside chat. Alrighty. So one of the other articles on ryereviews.com is he it's actually a two part be- deal. It kind of melds together. There's his top ten films of all time. And then there's his top 10 directors. Yep. I did the, the uh, for my anniversary, I did a revised favorite list and a top 10 directors. But when I was doing the directors, like, you know what? This parallels my best list. So I went back and touched up on that, which I didn't really do too much. It's the same films. I just rearranged two films. You can, you can go and check out that full list. But what we're going to focus on is we're going to talk about directors. Directors, people, the man behind the camera. All right, now this is a fun thing is, is seeing Rye's list of his top ten directors, which is going to be completely his list in terms of the reason why these these directors are there and the films that they did. That is why they're his favorites. Yep, and this sparked up building Scuba's list. Yes, so we built myself a list. It's not as completely refined, but it's the when I think about movies that I really enjoy. These are the directors associated with those movies. Yeah. And oddly enough, quite a number of my favorite franchises are represented in my list. Which makes sense. So let's get to it. Yeah. So for Rye, his first one is the first one at number 10 is Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Which we've all know the Tarantino films are a unique experience to enjoy. Yep. He's personally, I'm, I'm a fan of the older ones like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and, uh, Kill Bill. Yep. Um, you've got in here Django Unchained, Inglorious Bastards, and Pulp Fiction. Yep. Um, I do love. I, I love all his films, but you know, I tried to you know pull the three, you know, just to help you get a good zeitgeist of why they're my favorite directors. So. Yeah. Uh, for my number ten, it is Ron Howard. Yep. Um, for movies like Ransom, Far and Away, um, those are those kinds of films are really what kind of speak to me yeah when uh, you were putting your list and you come up with those names it's like i completely forgot about him <laughs> so you know that's kinda, the whole point is like and then this is what this kind of sounds like yeah the he's done a lot of movies that i've watched that i've really enjoyed yeah so it's just yeah like putting this list together that's why it took me a full month because there's a lot of films i watch everybody knows this on the podcast i watch a lot of films so i mean you know. hell that's part of why yeah. we're doing the podcast yeah. the fact that ryereviews.com exists and we he wanted he came to me after a school project and said hey i'd like to do a podcast to talk about my movie reviews and it, other things next thing you know we have scuba and rye which has been running for 120 some odd episodes thank you for supporting us by the way yeah we're gonna keep on doing it because it's fun hopefully you're enjoying the ride leave your comments in the comments section below all right, number nine. Number nine. Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes, sir. Uh, films that he's... Rye's favorite films for this are There Will Be Blood, Punch Drunk Love, and Boogie Nights. Yep. They, these seem like three very... Boogie Nights and Punch Drunk Love seem a little in the same vein. There Will Be Blood is a completely different movie than the other two. 
Yeah, so the reason he's on my list in these three movies is because it's just his level of storytelling. And, like, he puts a premium on slow burn narration, so it's on character and dialogue. And that's one thing you're going to notice throughout this list as uh, uh, Scuba uh, talks about it. You're going to notice there's a, a trend of character and dialogue that work their way in. And it's because of that why I like him. And when a movie comes out, even if it's not getting a lot of fanfare, I'm going to go with it because he always writes good characters. So... All right. Um, My number nine is Kenneth Branagh. Oh, yeah. The, the Shakespearean director. Yes. Actually enough, that is what I think of when I think of the films he's done. Yeah. Uh, Othello, Hamlet, Much Do About Nothing, and of course, the first Thor movie, as well as Death on the Nile and Murder on the Orient Express. I like his style in the sense yep. that everything it, it it's you, thespian. Yep. It's you like definitely, stage stuff. Since you like Ken and Brad, you should check out the one uh, that was my favorite last year, which is Belfast. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, on it's on HBO Max. I've been meaning to to it's just I have to be in the mood yeah. to watch. I have it's to be a, in the mood. It's it's an, it's a it's a different take, but it's very great. So for him it's like every the feeling I get watching Kenneth Branagh is that every one of his movies feels like i could totally watch this in a stage theater environment yeah that's how the set pieces feel that's how that is and he's got such a great breadth of actors if you've not watched much ado about nothing with kenneth Branagh, denzel washington keanu reeves you should totally check that out that's a great movie i love it and like like once you said that movie it's like i love that movie like i remember because of denzel Denzel is like, well, that is Denzel. What can I yeah. say? Yeah, <laughs> and, and the fact that it's like, the, it, it's all in the Shakespearean language and dialogue, but it's it's still, it's they find a way to really deliver it. Yeah, it works. And so, yeah. All right, so uh, number eight, we have, for Rise List, we have Edgar Wright. Uh, Story is meant to be genuine fun and escape. Uh, can't do any better than Scott Pilgrim versus the world, baby driver and Shaun of the dead. Yep. Now I, I agree. Sh Scott Pilgrim and Shaun of the dead are absolute wild, hilarious rides. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's like, like you just said, like the first line in my description stories are meant to be a genuine escape and he gives the escape no matter what films he does. And the great thing I love about Edgar Wright is like every film is a different take in a different genre and he pushes into new realms. His previous film, The Last Night in Soho, is another one where he took a chance on doing a psychological horror, but it was still an Edgar Wright film when you watched it. So I love it when he takes chances. He takes chances. All right. My number eight is Sam Raimi. Yep. Uh, very... What can you say? <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, The Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, uh, the the oh, what was The Wizard of Oz one? Uh, Oz, great and powerful. Oz, great and powerful. I have mean, you have you ever watched Drag Me to Hell? His uh, his uh, one of his most recent horror films. That's no, it's not on my radar. It's not something I'm familiar with. All right, check it out if you haven't, because you know, I mean, it harkens back to like the Evil Dead ishness. So, which is great because he did Evil Dead as trying to be a horror film. It came across. It ended up being a comedy, and rather than double down on the horror element he doubled down on the comedy element. he went the opposite it, direction <laughs> it's it, absolutely great so sam, uh, and he's another one who kind of pushes things like you can tell it's a sam raimi film when you when you when you're watching it in, in the end it's it's, it's it's there's a stylized bit and everything and of course virtually every sam raimi film 
has Bruce Campbell in it. He's literally in it in every single one. So, all right. So now moving on to number seven, you have Wes Anderson, creative yes. and quirky. Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums, Moonrise Kingdom, and Grade, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yep. I'm not seeing these, so right. Tell me about. Tell me. Tell me about Wes Anderson. Tell me. Uh, tell me. Tell well, me about the one it. thing about his, and he's very similar in in not not the creative uh, things that he does like Edgar Wright, but the thing is, he's very distinct in all the manners of filmmaking, um, directing, writing, um, the atmosphere, and it's just this quirkiness. He has always an ensemble of characters, and they always are in random and weird situations. The plot is very web abstract but it's all about the 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 escape in the world like just for example the grand budapest hotel has a plethora of actors that you recognize like ralph fines bill uh bill murray um edward norton like you have this all this stuff and it's just the world it's the quirkiness of the world that he does and every film he does it's all an original Every single film he does is original. So just to name some other ones, is like Bottle Rocket, uh, the the Aquatic Life of Steve Zasso, um, just the name of some other ones that if you don't know. All righty, my number seven is Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, which obviously his big thing was uh, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit films. Yep. As well as he's done a couple of horror things like Cabin in the Woods and some. Hi. love cabin in the woods yeah it's very interesting i like it because you know he takes and for me the reason why he's on here is because he takes on these huge epic worlds and is able to orchestrate all of those moving parts yep uh so tell such really grand stories yeah he has a lot of a good a good a good amount of you know different kind of films before leading into lord of the rings and then he's also known for he also did the lovely bones and king kong so yeah king kong was a lot of fun all righty number six uh for rye it's judd apatow yeah, he is a comedy director, and when it comes to comedy, comedy out of all the genres, which I mention all the time, is the most subjective. But yep. he's found a way to not only just tell good comedy, but do uh, what has been uh, known as dramedies. So he's done a good way of storytelling through drama and comedy and making it its own, and then making its own story have a heart, like it focuses on its characters. So for reference on that, we have the 40-year-old version, Trainwreck. And the King of Staten Island. Yes. I love his stuff. Even films that are considered a little bit low tier, I still enjoy it because it's the characters that he makes fun. Yeah. And 40-year-old version is just my favorite comedy of all time. So, you know, I could watch that every day. Yeah, I guess it says something about my list and how I feel about comedy. But uh, my number six is uh, Jay... John McTurin. Yeah. You had to like name drop all the films to make me realize who it was. See, now, and and he's probably should be a little higher on my list, but again, my list is raw and, and this is literally a conversation day. But the reason why this guy is on my list is because he, 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 he writes, he does these films that are such that are adventure and it isn't, it, it is, it isn't adventure like an action, like what we see from somebody like Michael Bay. Uh, his, his are very much the characters and the stories and finds ways to really kind of, kind of, kind of take you 
on a journey. Um, yep. He has 12 films to his credit. Yes. And if, you, if you're curious which ones we're talking, the original Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, we're talking Hunt for the Red, Hunt for Red October, uh, which is a Tom Clancy book with uh, Alec Baldwin and um, Sean Connery. Absolutely Great. wonderful film. Great film. Um, so it's just uh, Die Hard. He, he, he's the one who gave us the best Christmas movie of all time. Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> and Die Hard with a Vengeance. Which is the sequel, which yep. is just as great. And, you know, Thomas Crown Affair. Thir- yeah. Yeah. So, yep. No, and he's in. It's Die Hard 2 is Die Harder. Die Hard with a Vengeance yeah. is the one. With- yeah. Die Hard 2 is the one. Yeah. Die Hard 2 is the one where he's in the airport. Yeah. And then with a Vengeance with Samuel and they're running around the city. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. But he, it's absolutely great films that really kind of, they're action, they're adventure, but they're also not you know, overdone in terms of explosions and set pieces. Yeah, so. You have to listen to the dialogue. Yeah, it's one of those where it's like you have to pay attention, people. And great ensemble casts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great ensemble casts. Yeah, I remember it's like, who is that? And then you start name dropping all the movies like, okay, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> We're good now. We're Ryan good. Proves. Yeah, I, you know, I approve of all the directors, but I just did, it didn't, didn't ring a bell at the time. It didn't ring a bell. All right. And, you know, this is an interesting how we've gone through this list. I'm seeing this now. There's a kind of a parallel between my your your director pick and my pick for for similar things. Yeah. So next up for Rye is Denis is Denis Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Now, yep. mouthful name, but guess what? He's the one who gave us Sicario. He's the one who gave us Arrival and Dune from last year, 2021. Yep. And it was hard picking those three because he also did one of the, my favorite films from 2017, Blade Runner 2049. Oh. Another example of a great sequel after so many years. Yes. So, yes. yeah. And just to name some other stuff that he's done, he's done Prisoners um, and he's done uh, a, a, a rival. Oh, no, not a rival, but he's also working on a Cleopatra movie. Now, the nice thing is him is these these films are, are very grand and very epic, and they pull you in and take you on this journey to these other worlds. Yeah. Even like Sicario, it's like we're talking the whole drug trade and, and drug enfor- law enforcement having to deal with that. Uh, Dune, obviously the politics and, and the, the shenanigans of Arrakis. And then Arrival, which is a whole other different sci-fi film. So he's That's showing the one with Jeremy Renner, right? Yes, yeah, Jeremy Renner and uh, Rachel McAdams. Oh, that's right, that's right. Um, and they are trying to communicate with an alien species that they don't know the language, but they find a way. And I'm gonna tell you, if you're gonna watch this video thing later, it's gonna be wild because it looks like it's trying to catch up now. So there's like the speed thing through my through all the video capture. <laughs> hey, but if you're not. We have Spotify and Apple and all the podcasts to listen to people, yep, but yep. I am going to look forward to watching that video because I like that. <laughs> I see it over on the left side, people, and it is funny, but awesome. All righty. My number five is George Lucas. Who would have thought? Well, Who would have thought, people? I, You know what? I got to appreciate George Lucas because he... And now the nice thing is a lot of my list, these these some of these directors have a lot of films to their name. Some of them don't. But it's the quality of the film that they create. Yeah. George Lucas in here because obviously he gave us Star Wars. He gave us Indiana Jones or he collaborated on giving us Indiana Jones. Yeah. But it's the fact that he took film and pushed 
filmmaking in new directions. Yeah. Like, I mean, Star Wars, great example is he had this, he had this story, he was working on it. He couldn't get the special effects right. So he designed, he started a special effects studio with the intent purpose of making the special effects for Star Wars. And now we have Industrial Light and Magic. Yep. Industri- who has got a plethora of of credits to their name for the types of films that they have yep. done special effects for. Yep, and a great documentary in Disney Plus if you haven't watched it. Yeah, I've been meaning to, but but you know, and he's given us this huge, expansive world, and and these films that he's given us, great, and you know, he's a case study and workaholic and <laughs> work life balance, but that's something for another day. <laughs> but he's great nonetheless. He's still really great. All right, next up, we have the Cohen Brothers. Yes, number four for Rye. Uh, They've done quite a number of films, The Big Lebowski, No Country for Old Men, and 2010's True Grit. Yep. So they've done a lot of films together. Um, so just some other ones, if you don't know. Um, they've done Burn After Reading, um, The Lady Killers, Intolerable Cruelty, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, and Raising Arizona, just to name some other ones. So very, very great films in that yep. regard. Yep. So my number four, and this is going to be a transition point. Yeah. My number four is David Fincher. Yes, sir. Who happens to be Rise number three. So we're going to kind of just go into there. Yeah. Um, So David Fincher, he he did the social network seven gone girl are the three movies that Rye thinks of them. I think of seven and I think of alien three. Yep. Hate me all you want. I actually enjoyed alien three story. And what and and everything and the and the fact that he was trying to do new things with the direction for the xenomorph in it. Granted, it doesn't age very well yeah. now, and you know, whatnot. But it was early in his career, and it was it was even then it was very much a psychological aspect to being in that movie. And then yeah. you see him refine that in seven. Yeah, and so he's it's. That, that's what I think it was the fact he's you can see the evolution from film to film with him and the films really kind of draw you in and make you think and make yeah. you kind of look over your shoulder when you're not expecting he's he's really good and it's a, a good diversify of films just looking at the three that I have social network seven and gone girl they're three distinct different kind of ones but it makes you think it's very methodical and yeah. also very tense with it and not to mention he's also been in TV and he's done one of the best shows that's come out in the last few years called mind hunters which is on Netflix one of the best shows that have been they've only had two seasons and it would be awesome if they could do a third season. But other than that, yep, it's my number three and your number four. And just some other films that, just to ring the bell, he did uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and Zodiac, just to add more credence. Oh, yeah, Fight Club. Fight so, Club. Yep. He did Fight Club and he did Seven. There yep. you go. There you go. <laughs> All righty. Now, my number three is James Cameron. Yes, sir. Now... This is one of those as, as Ryan and I were talking about this and some of the some of the some of your comment on these these directors was like the body of work. Yeah. Because some directors have a huge body of work, some have a very small body of work. Yeah. James Cameron is one of those. He has a very small body of work. Uh probably um, less than ten films uh t- to his name. Uh, but 
but it's a lot. Every single one of those films is an experience. Yeah, every single one of those films are are um are an experience. So you know you have obviously Terminator, Terminator Two, which I contend is one of the best action films and action sequels of all time. Uh, True Lies, Titanic, um, and of course Avatar. Avatar right now, and yeah. the Avatar sequels coming out. Yeah. Um, the Abyss the is Abyss. one of my favorites. Yep. Aliens. Um, Aliens. Yep. Um. So Terminator, the Terminator, he gave us the Terminator franchise. He gave it. He's and he, he all a lot of it, especially when you get into Titanic and the Abyss, and even even his national, even the documentary one he did for diving on the Titanic. This love of ocean and uh, film and pushing the boundaries of filming like he too was one of the first one gave us some serious cgi elements yeah and, and it still holds up to this day yes yes it does yep. um the avatar was gave us the 3d cam- the camera that shoots 3d so we can so you can actually make 3d films that don't look like you're just whitewashing it over with a 3d effect it's from I contend, shooting. I contend, out of all the 3D movies I've seen in the theaters, the best one I've ever seen is Avatar. Yes, hands down. All righty. All right, now we're going up. Number two for Rye is Martin Scorsese. Yes, sir. Uh, so. If you're not familiar with who Martin Scorsese is, I think you definitely need to go find some videos to watch. Yeah, I think you've been hiding in there. You must be hiding in a rock if you've never heard of Scorsese. We have The Departed, Goodfellas. And Wolf of Wall Street are three examples. I know this man has done a lot more than that. Yeah, he's done a lot more. So just to name some ones that strike, uh, you know, strike uh, some, you know, he's done Shutter Island. He's done The Aviator, Gangs of New York. Um, going further back, you got Kundun, you got Casino, uh, um, Cape Fear, uh, 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 The King's Economy, Raging Bull. New York, New York, just to keep going back, Mean well, Streets. You know, interesting as you list that, and then you think about the actors that are in those films, he's got Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, um, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Um, what the heck is his name? I can see his Leonardo face. Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo, like he's one of his guys. Uh, what's the other? Uh, Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Great. He got him to come out of retirement to do The Irishman. That's how you know, great he is. It's like great directors can get greatness to come. Oh yeah. Especially when they get these following of actors. Yeah. All right. My number two is Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. It's another one is like, I forgot, <laughs> but he's done a lot of great films and he's done a wide variety of films. Like yeah. I, for me, alien is one of my favorites yeah. because it's the alien franchise. And we could go all, all into talking about that. Maybe if we ever, Catch it on a catch a show on Alien Day. We'll talk about. Yes, fifty six credits as a director. Yeah, I mean Gladiator, uh, Alien, uh, Prometheus, um, Body of Lies, Body of Lies, GI Jane, Black Rain, Thelma and Louise. I mean, it's such a a sci fi horror comedy. Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down. I mean, Matchstick films. Matchstick Men. I didn't even I forgot he did Matchstick. Oh, you know another one he did that I really enjoyed. What's that? The Martian. Yes. Yeah. Martian's one of my favorites. Yeah, I love that movie. It's so hilarious. It's a comedy. Ridley Scott did a comedy. All right, now before we get to our number one. Yes. Yeah. Spoiler. 
Ryan and I have the same number one. Gasp! That is blasphemy now. There's a reason There's why. There's a reason for this. Yes. But let's do a couple of honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, two, going through this and thinking about it, I have two honorable mentions of really great directors that I've really enjoyed their work. Uh, despite, uh, first one is Taika Waititi. Yep. I'd, I remember asking you to go see Jojo Rabbit, and you were a little skeptical, but after you walked out that with me, you were like, that is one best. And that's one of those movies that, that age well, because when you start thinking about it, you start laughing even more. Yeah, so Taika Waititi and Joss Whedon. Josh, Josh Whedon, Whedon yeah. because he had this following of actors. Granted, right now there's some poli- there's some drama uh, about his conduct on set and which stuff, is kind of sad because he has a lot of good content. But you but know. he he's got a lot of he's done a lot of great film. He's his films are pretty good. His 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 actor his following of actors is a hilarious group of people. And granted, a lot of his films are more cult following now especially yeah. when you when you look at like firefly and serenity, serenity. i love serenity I mean, he's more of a tv yeah. film so but he brought us the avengers tv directors yeah eh, you he know. brought us the avengers i want to at least one honorable mention since you mentioned that yeah, well, i was giving i was giving it to you i had oh. two oh no i was gonna bounce it over to you yeah, to yeah. see if you can give me two okay honorable mentions. let me let me uh, bring up the imdb so i'm ready so the first one uh, the first one, you know, these are newer ones, so they can, you know, build up their catalog eventually. One, you have a poster of this, Ryan Johnson. Knives Out. Knives Out. And he also did Looper, Brothers Bloom, and Brick. So he's very, uh, you know, it's not that much yet, but if you've seen Knives Out, that's pretty much enough said there. So, right. And my other one who is just up and coming and he still needs to build his catalog, but every film he's done that he's directed, he only has nine credits. Uh, three of them are shorts, but every film I've seen that he's directed, I've loved. And that's Ryan Coogler. And okay. just to name the films, the four films, the only four films that he's done, um, Fruitfield's Station, Creed, Black Panther, and then Wakanda Forever. So three definitely have been well, I mean, four four and a half for, for and a major five. outing yeah. doing doing black panther yeah. i mean he nailed it yeah. for, on all three are different films fruitville season is a very uh social driven drama creed is an action boxing film and then black panther is you know it is what it is so, yeah that's just 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 the name some honorable mentions yep. that can so, make it to the list maybe 10 years down the road yeah so i mean it depends on kind of what's going on or whatever and number All right. one for both of us is the man the myth the legend mr steven spielberg yes steven spielberg and if you ever reference to uh, check out my top 10 best films of all time you'll notice why it is because he is by far as i said and just to do a, a drop for what I said, through the decades, there have been many filmmakers that have made a stamp on the industry. Uh, within that list of amazing directors, there's one to rise above all. And the emphasis is on decades. And every decade, he's at least had like two or three amazing films and still additional two or three more through the decades. Just the, just my top three. I know you have three different ones. Schindler's List, Munich, and Saving Private Ryan are my three favorite. Uh, for me, yeah. it was... Uh... Jurassic Park. Um, had, Raiders. I think it was Raiders of the Lost Ark, was it? Did you Raiders say? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. And I'm sorry, I have to go with the one that's kicked it all off, Jaws. Yeah. 
So yeah, and that's you see you see how hard it was for it to come up. It's because he has every single one of his films, even his worst, is still his best. So let let's let's just just well, let I mean, him, come on. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we you kind of have to give the crown to him because he's the one who gave us the summer blockbuster. He gave yeah. us Jaws. Jaws, the OG. Like you said, we were we were actually discussing this because I was reading an article in uh, somewhere. I was either Looper or, or or one of the other ones, Mojo or whatnot. But it was the I was asking the question: Why has Jaws not been redone? It's very interesting, but it's very good reason why. That's very solid reasons yeah. why. But I mean, let, let's start. Jaws was the one who gave us the summer blockbuster. That's one. It, it started this whole thing, and yep. it was the top dog in the theater until a little film called Star Wars came out. Just a little film. A little small film. A little, little small little film. indie film. Yeah, a little Anyways. indie film. <laughs> but, you know, that gave us Spielberg and, and, and his, his, his approach. But Jaws is such a phenomenon among on itself that... One, the studio realize, has realized that if to do sequels is a, is a, is an effort in in diminishing returns. Yep. Every single sequel has done less than the previous. Yep. In Not, terms of terms of box office revenue, and arguably the last one killed the franchise. Yep. So. However. However, there is a but. However, Jaws as a film spawned a sub genre. Shark films. All the shark films, the Meg, Deep Blue Sea, 47 Meters Down, The Shallows, all of these other films that are essentially the same thing as Jaws. Yeah. So it's just it's just this uh it's just a, a remarkable feat. And I'm going to do something that I could probably do it really fast. I'm gonna Go do rapid it. fire, starting with Jaws. I'm not gonna describe them, I'm just gonna name them off, and you're going to be like, why is he number one? This is why. Okay. All right, you ready? Speed give me, round. Give me, give me five. Give me five. Okay. Jaws, Close Encounter of the Third Kind, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., uh, uh, Temple of Dune, uh, Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, Last Crusade, uh, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, uh, Amistad, Saving Private Ryan, um, AI, Artificial Intelligence, Minority Report, Catch Me If You Can, uh, War of the Worlds, Munich, um, a War Horse, Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, Ready Player One, West Side Story, and one that's going to be dropping this year, which I said, and you can st find it on Facebook, I could think making might be the best film of the year, Fablemans. So, rapid fire. Mm. Yeah. Just, yeah, just, just mean, look at that. Look, Just look at the list, and I skipped over a lot. I skipped over a lot. skipped over a lot. I mean, he's done a lot. He's yeah. also done a lot of things in TV yeah. as a producer. Yeah. We're producing other film, working yeah. as a production as a producer for films and TV. He's done shorts, video games. Yeah. I mean, it's just great. And what, why I did the list like I did it, just to point out, just the variety of yeah. films he's done, and the fact that he keeps pushing the limits. He literally had never done a musical in his life, and he did West Side Story last year, and <laughs> it was considered by a lot of people that it was the best film of the year last year. And he's never done a musical in his life, and he did one of the best musicals. Even though it was an adaptation, it was still amazing. <laughs> and that's Spielberg. Never done a musical and does his first one, and it's considered the best movie of the year. I have nothing left to say. But, yeah. yeah. 
Sorry, I just no. I just no, I I just that sums it up in one thing. It, it is. Yes, yeah. it's, it's that's why he's number one to yeah. us. So, agree, disagree, leave your thoughts in the comments below. What are some if they if these directors spawned a movie in your mind? What was it? And is there a director that you feel is in your top ten? Yeah, that and we one did that list, or we just completely missed, like I did with Ron Howard and Ridley Scott. So you know, it is what it is. Well, I mean, come on. You can look at Jordan Peele. You can look at, you know, Tim Burton. There's a lot of Christopher really Nolan is Nolan. For us, a lot of what spawned our lists is the is we look at the films that we enjoyed. Yeah. And when when it was like as we were discussing it, it was like my thought was, okay, I really like Hunt for Red October. I watched it. I can, I have it virtually memorized in my mind. Yep. It is one that is to me tells me it's a great film yep. when I instantly kind of memorize it and incorporate some of the stuff. Granted, yes, I'm older. I know that some of the stuff is not, is, is, I know it's not real and whatever, but some of the comments and the dialogue and the messaging for some of the statements really, really is a core thing. Yep. So when I think about that and I was like, I looked that up, I looked, uh, looked up the movie, looked up the director, looked up the other things. I was like, wait a minute. These are all He's connecting some, the dots. These are it's all like, my fa- these are all like my favorite films yeah. that I purchase copies of. Yeah. So, so same yeah. thing for me. It's like it's connecting the dots. If you look at the little string that moves through this, you'll notice a certain string of what draws me in. And regardless, highs or lows, I'm going to watch their films once I see the name. So Scorsese, oh, yeah. I'm going to watch it. Spielberg, I'm going to watch it. Paul Thomas Anderson, I'm going to watch it. So. All right, so now we've talked your ears off about movies and directors and all these things. Shamanigans. We're, we're pretty much out, uh, wrapped up all of our stuff. But before we go, since we talked about Jaws, Jaws. we're going to end with an odds and ends story that is just warms your heart. That is interesting how I ended it that way. See? Planning. I'm good planning, at planning, planning, says, planning, or it's just, you're good at moving the script. So we live in, we live in the Hampton Roads area, yeah. which, you know, there's the James river and there's a lot of, a lot of history and stuff around here. But what you may not know is that part of our history has to do with ancient prehistoric creatures. Now, if you we think old. paleontology and, and places to go, you can think of like the badlands and, 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 and the desert and all this stuff. We're here. If you walk along the, the river banks, you might find things like a megalodon tooth. Yep. And a uh, eight-year-old boy by the name of Riley Gracely unearthed a prehistoric shark tooth when the family stopped by an educational fossil hunting expedition um, um, on their on an annual trip. So, yeah. So he found, a, I mean, a huge, huge tooth. But hey. You're out here on your vacation, you find something really cool and rare, you know, that makes you feel good. Oh, yeah. So just to give you, uh, give you a thing, uh, tooth measured five inches, and it dates back more than 22 million years. Yep. And collectors will pay a heck of a lot of money for it. Yep. Give me that money. I got some bills to pay people. Yeah, but I think the kids should hold on to it for his memories. Memories. Sure will. But with that, hope you enjoyed what we discovered and talked about. Good, better, and different. Uh, again, a shout out and a thank you to Sirenscape for the background music and soundboards. Uh, check them out at sirenscape.com for more information. Uh, thank you to Rye for spending another Wednesday evening hanging out, doing the doing this podcast. Thank doing the you thing, thing. for watching and consuming our content. If you enjoyed our content, please 
uh, leave us a review through pot. If you're listening to it via podcast, if you're watching us here on YouTube, please hit the like, hit the subscribe, hit the bell notification. Be notified when more videos come out. Um, if you want to support the studio, those are some of the best ways you can support us. If you'd like to do more, you could totally head over to patreon.com slash scuba studio and consider being a patron. Uh, we have some, we'll have some behind the scenes stuff and some bonus content there, uh, for some of the projects that we're working on that we're working on. Yes, sir. Um, and with that, we will, uh, wish you all a good week. Stay safe, have fun, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Peace.